This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Thursday, 13th of July, 2023. A considerable change of temperature in markets, a, a considerable rally in risk sentiment yesterday on a softer than expected U.S. CPI report, that June CPI coming in on the core at not just 0.2%, but something like 0.157, I think it was, or at least 0.16 rounded month on month. Again, that was the core. 0.3 was expected. And then we had the 4.8% year on year versus 5% expected. The uh, the headline was also in lower than expected, that 3% flat level impressing the market. And uh, even something like the Atlanta Fed's CPI coming in, their sticky CPI, so-called at 5.6 versus 6.0 previously, and the three-month annualized running at 3.8%. So we have, uh, well, yeah, we have basically a disinflationary data here. It's what the market loves best. That, especially in light of some of the recent more sort of firm data suggesting that we're uh, steering away from recessionary risks. So, hey, no landing, disinflation, what's not to like? Uh, Certainly everything to like for the equity market and we blasted higher, uh, new highs for the cycle, and then the major U.S. indices. We saw the dollar absolutely uh, thrown overboard. Dollar index hitting new lows, euro dollar new highs uh, around the world. Risk uh, risk on really. So uh, yeah, what else to say, Peter? This is uh, an interesting setup we have, and we'll be dis- uh, deepening our discussion of what the implications could be, and not just for the next couple of sessions, but uh, in coming weeks and maybe even months. Yeah, it, it it certainly was highest close in the S and P five hundred futures since early April uh, last year. So uh, a new high, uh, um, <clears throat> and a lot of energy, as you said, um, breakouts not yet in the in the European market, but close. Um, the only surprise, if you look across the theme baskets, were uh, is the fact that the bubble stocks basket is not among the the uh, the high performers from yesterday's session. That's a little bit odd, but um, if the animal spirits um, are intact in today's uh, session, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this uh, basket, which uh, undoubtedly the highest duration profile of all theme baskets, will will pick up. Um, so um, so it's um, yeah. Let's see what happens. I mean, for me, John, I I know you you put in here on slide three uh, your global risk indicator is just really flashing a, a very bullish setup here. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare for it to get above one on a sustained basis. Uh, and you, if you look back, it's uh, well, it only goes back to sort of 2021 in the spring. But I mean, that that sort of episode there where it was well above one and almost hitting into two was during the wildest days uh, of the bull market of the time. It takes a long time for this thing to turn around. So even if we are uh, you know, going to run out of steam here, I would expect that if we do go low, we're going to go to new highs first. And you see some sort of divergences develop. That tends to be with the way these risk indicators work, that uh, the big setups for market weakness are only once uh, you're getting new highs, but the, sort of the steam is running out of the market. So full head of steam. Let, let's see if we get confirmation. You know, Maybe we're being totally misled that yesterday's exaggerated reaction was in part on uh, zero, to, zero DTE options. Uh, after all, there was, you know, there have been these CPI uh, reports that have, have sort of goosed the market before, but they tend to sort of mean revert intraday because of the very nature of zero DTE. Whereas this, this move kind of stuck, to say the least, into the close. Also, not on slide three, that's you know, the U.S. yield curve. This is what's driving things. We're seeing the entire yield curve dropping, and it's actually a bull steepener, the opposite of what we've been getting. Uh, for the whole grind in this market and, and the yield curve uh, inverting as it has, 
So we saw the 10 year reversing over 10 basis points, the two year really getting blasted lower. And I think ironically, as we've discussed a bit, uh, Peter, the, the risk here is going forward that these uh, very strong market conditions, if we think about options comp uh, based compensation, the fact that people uh, probably negotiated some wage uh, rises because their options based compensation was doing poorly. And in general, across the board, we're seeing uh, compensation rising, whereas material prices uh, in many cases are falling or much lower, some some cost of living things are uh, stopped rising, um, that this feeds into a re-strengthening of the, of the economy. And could the Fed, ironically, as we see the two-year yield dropping and rate cuts getting priced back in for 24, uh, could this eventually mean that the Fed is uh, wrong-footed once again further out and has to, to start the hiking cycle again? I don't know. It's a question worth asking, uh, in my view. Yeah, I have a I have a, a new theory of what could uh, could happen over the next half a year. But just quickly before I go into that, on slide four, um, I've shown this before. I'll always do this update uh, when we get the inflation forward. It's just the U.S. services sector uh, inflation. Just take a six month average of the month on month gains, and then you annualize it, and and it's also excluding energy, so it's it doesn't have that volatile component into it. Um, so it's probably closer to the to that sticky measure that is uh, used by the um by the Fed as well. Um, it's it's coming down, it's rolling over. That's not a big surprise. I think the the key question also from a policymaker perspective is where is the structural inflation? And if you look at the this the um, if you look at the shape of this time series right now. Uh, it is way too early. It probably is, is even too early by December or January for the Fed to conclude where is the structural inflation actually. And I think it, this is the big guessing game. And I think this is where the market constantly is 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 getting ahead of itself. And uh, oh, now we now can we we can really uh, price uh, the Fed lower here. But the problem is you need actually quite a considerable data points to be sure where is this flow, where is this structural inflation going to land, and 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 that is the big question. But coming back to my my theory, um, starting from slide five, so. If you look at the U.S. equity market performance relative to the long end of the Treasury uh, curve, so that's the seven to ten year du uh, duration um, uh, Treasuries, you can see here how the the equity market has reaccelerated and outperforming the bond market again. And I, I really like this uh, way of looking at it. That you know, f the Fed is actually behind; is most likely behind the curve when when this phenomenon is happening. Whereas if like in 2022, when they were getting really aggressive from a very low starting point, you can see the U.S. equity market was underperforming. The, uh, the bond market, uh, so the, the Fed was actually ahead of the curve and they, they the financial conditions tightened. But now we're in this situation. And now is, this is my theory. So as you said, John, the market right now got this uh, downward surprise to the inflation. We're riding into Nirvana and we have the AI, AI hype uh, running. Um, everything looks uh, looks great. But then you have these potential early indicators suggesting that the manufacturing sector could actually turn around in the second half. Um, and And real disposable income is actually rising now because of this lower inflation and we got all these high wages. So effectively, there is no landing, as you said. Maybe actually the economy will reheat. So when we get into, we'll have a potential mildew in equities, but then when we get further into the uh, to the year and it, it, we, we can see this the strong economy, then suddenly we get a, a shock from the Fed and they say we need to tighten even more than we thought because the economy is so strong. That 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 is a, at least one scenario, one path to consider. Yeah, and then we also have to consider going forward. Let's not be too, you know, all in on one scenario. The this whole re uh, restarting of the payback of uh, student loans in the U.S. It's not inconsiderable. As I read, uh, came across some comments. I'm, I'm forgetting where it was. I think it was in Bloomberg. Could have been an FT that uh, that restarts in September. Just a reminder. That's going to materially draw on disposable income at the margin for a, a wide swath of, of millions of consumers. 
who may have been adding to debt that they're then financing because they assumed they weren't going to have to pay off some of these loans because the Supreme Court re- uh, ruled that this was unconstitutional, the, the program to bring student loan relief. So, um, uh, you know, I think we're storing up some trouble further forward, but just the, the, the narrative for right now is, is what's, uh, of course, the most interesting. Now, if you follow through uh, with what's going on here, of course, the U.S. dollar with that marking lower of the Fed uh, gets uh, gets absolutely uh, thrown under the bus. Uh, again, euro dollar breaking to new highs, the dollar index below that very sort of well-etched, clear uh, support line of this year. Uh, and then something like, and, and some of the interesting thing was here that we switched away from the focus on dollar yen. Uh, the yen is still quite firm, but it's less firm in the crosses. And I think when you have this wildly strong risk sentiment that just does not feed into a yen strength, you'd have to have something very strong coming from the Bank of Japan uh, to drive uh, sort of across the board yen strength. Uh, rather, we saw the more pro-cyclical currencies really jumping to life yesterday. Uh, look at uh, on slide six, I put in the Swedish krona versus the US dollar, just an absolutely insane day. Some of this driven by, I think, uh, knocky stocky flows, but also euro stocky coming to life and dropping out of the sky where it uh, had been, I think, bid up to unfair levels. If we do get uh, a stronger uh, economy elsewhere, the eurozone should do well. But uh, the, the key question, of course, still hanging over the world is the situation in China. And that is sort of the uh, sort of the off note here, if you will, uh, globally speaking. Nonetheless, the Aussie jumping higher and in part on commodity prices jumping higher, uh, Kiwi jumping even more. But Ola, on that note, what's better for commodity prices than what they're denominated in U.S. dollars? And we saw a pretty decent response there uh, from this uh, from these developments yesterday, didn't we? Yes, we uh, we added to some, uh, I'll say, positive momentum that had already started early in the week. Uh, so uh, so the. So the delivery of this uh, lower than uh, expected CPI print uh, most certainly sent uh, the market uh, generally higher. We, we saw that particular supporting uh, precious metals uh, put in on slide seven, just the usual gold and silver charts. You can see silver was really on fire yesterday, up more than 4%, getting close to a key area of resistance around 24.50. And gold uh, has, uh, has, has, has left that uh, bottom formation pattern behind and now the question is really how much uh, in, in terms of new uh, demand it can it can muster but uh, most most certainly a, a change in in sentiment once again and and as we also highlight john the the, re- the risk is once again that we get carried away that we are pricing out rate hikes uh, too soon but uh, that remains to be seen so a little bit of cautiousness here but uh, generally the strong uh, strong move higher uh, supported by that uh, that bottom that we created uh, late late june uh, a market that went the other direction was uh, was the grain market. We had the monthly Wall Street report out, and uh, what it, re- it re- basically yielded a two and a half year low in corn. That's the chart I put in there. And at the same time, we also saw soybeans tumble. In terms of corn, just to understand that, because we we've been we've been so focused on all this uh, dry weather conditions we had. But uh, if you look at the what I'm highlighting in yellow on production, production was uh, was lifted from last month, and the main reason for that uh, is not because of the yield, because yield, as you can see. Uh, Further down is is uh, sharply lower, but because the acreage has been increased, so um, so all in all, leading to a higher production for corn and sending prices sharply lower. So uh, so that's an, an an interesting conundrum there. And then just finally on, on crude oil, we're back above eighty dollars. We are waiting for OPEC and EIA monthly reports to confirm that they still see robust demand growth this quarter. If that's uh, the case, we potentially could trade a bit higher here in oil. All right. And then uh, a couple of interesting stories you brought up, um, Peter, on the equity front and your stocks to watch, that Illumina story in particular. 
Yeah, we um, we got yesterday the uh, the biggest fine in the EU from an from the antitrust regulator, uh, Illumina, which is the world's leading sequencing and 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 array based solutions for 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 you know, anal analysis of genetic genetic variations that's used in 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 cancer discovery, etc. They um they bought um back in 2021 uh, Grail for eight billion dollars, which was actually a former a, a business unit under Illumina itself. They spun it out, but then they wanted to acquire it again. Um, they got a fine, ten percent of revenue, so that's four hundred and thirty-two million uh, in fine. The the previous record was Altis, the French uh, telecom company, uh, getting a fine of one percent of revenue for the same, for the same violation, and that is integrating your acquisition target before you have got the EU approval. That's really violating a core principle in um, in antitrust regulation. So, but shares were up four percent for Lumina. I think it sort of reduces the uh, the uncertainty that has been hanging over this company from this acquisition, and then. BSSF, uh, they're lowering their fiscal year, uh, 23 revenue and, and operating income guidance. Um, but on the other hand, they also say in the statement, they're not seeing further signs of weakening demand. And uh, why is that important? Well, uh, chemicals, uh, the chemical industry is seen as a leading indicator on the manufacturing and industrial sector because you order chemicals before you can start and ramp up your production. So it's, um, I think that's a, that's a positive sign. And again, feeding into that um, that the hypothesis I put out uh, earlier in the podcast about you know that the manufacturing sector might be close to a turnaround, but again, um, let's not get too enthusiastic. As you also said, it's it all hinges as well on on China um, fixing its core structural issues. There is one stock to watch. I, I I should have put in, but I saw the news after I had compiled the um, the slide deck, and that's Via Play. Via Play is this um this uh, streaming service uh, company out of Sweden and they have um, you know traditional linear subscriptions they also have uh, uh, streaming they have they known for their for their TV rights for for, for European football here in in Europe the stock is down 90% from the peak and it's down more than 20% today because they are completely removal removing their fiscal year guidance they're saying that there, there's a a significant deterioration in the Nordic advertising market, and there's a lot of headwinds, a churn from customers. They had to raise prices recently, and that has been leading to a lot of churn in the business. So um, that's a pretty ugly situation there for 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 you play. Well, that's unfortunate. I don't know where I'm going to watch my football if, if they go away. So I hope they're here to stay. <laughs> Hopefully, right. someone else will buy it. Yeah, well, somebody has to provide it. All right, let's. Uh, we need to wrap this up here. Let's uh, look at the macro calendar again. Uh, it would be nice to see a nice relative to confirming the recent move here to see an, a weekly claims report that's not offering any or uh, raising any eyebrows. Two fifty k expected after the two forty eight k. Prior week, remember, we had the episode of, of a cluster of numbers above two. I think it was above, they were all above 260 before we had a couple of slow, uh, lower ones. So let's see what the trend is there. The continuing claims have been dropping. So notice those as well. And then the Fed's Waller out speaking on the economic outlook. He's pretty a uh, heavy, heavy hitter on the Fed as uh, as on the board of governors. And he's um, uh, tends to be on the hawkish side of the spectrum. All right, let's uh, see where this uh, market goes next. And uh, I will be at least on the podcast tomorrow, possibly with Ola as well, uh, with the next, as Peter is off, by the way, for three weeks and a day. So you'll be missing him during earnings, earnings season. You'll be sorely missed, Peter. But we'll try to cover what we can in your absence. In the meantime, have a great one out there. We'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>